You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gifts you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello, friends, and welcome to Yoga Magic. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. I'm so glad you're tuning in. If you're new here, everybody, we chat about all things self-care, self-discovery, and just really a huge part of this self-discovery journey, at least for me, is learning from other teachers and peers. So as a part of this show, I just I love to interview fellow teachers in my community and people that you know I learn a lot from that simply share, share their goodness with others. So today we're sitting down with my friend Aaron Asmundson. And Aaron, he's just, uh, he's so warm, he's super kind, he's very smart, and his yoga classes, they're really profound. He likes to weave yoga philosophy into his classes really, you know, kind of like delicately, you know, that type where you're in class, you hear something, and then a few days later, you're like, oh, that's what that means. It's kind of magic. And on top of that, Aaron has been a leadership educator at the University of Minnesota for over 20 years. So let's just say he knows a lot about being a leader and he really puts this into, you know, real life application. So we talk about that today. You know, what is leadership? How do we use this in our everyday lives? How do we use it as yoga teachers? And how does leadership show show up in the yoga space and how can we continue just to be better teachers and students, you know, all of the above. Aaron, he also talks a little about his recovery from alcoholism and addiction and how he's helping, you know, share what he's learned to help others learn and grow themselves. So thanks to Aaron for being on the show. Thanks to our show sponsor, Odell. Odell is the hair care product that is truly making my newly short hair just feel super fly. <laughs> is that cool anymore? I don't even, it's fine. So I'm just grateful to have them as a partner. Yoga Magic listeners get 15% off their order in the month of April at odellbeauty.com using the code Yoga Magic. And then finally, friends, um, the Yoga Magic community has a new event coming up that you are the first to be hearing about. I'm partnering up with my friend who is a yoga teacher and an artist, Gina Getz, for an evening of art and astrology. So we'll be deep diving into the specific markers within your chart that give you some indication of like what your creativity and your emotional landscape is. We'll look at the moon, a couple other markers, and then we'll apply that into an actual um artistic endeavor. Gina will be guiding you through an art. Um, and I don't even know, what she, a project, art project. Um, <laughs> she'll give you all the materials in advance, um, give you what you need to supply yourself with so that you can create and you can use this newfound astrology information 
and apply it into something really creative. It's going to be so fun. That's on Thursday, April 29th at 6 p.m. Central Time. It's on Zoom. If you can't make it live, we always record those and have um, the recordings available if you buy a ticket. So more info on that in the show notes. And yeah, I think that's all I got for you, friends. Thanks so much for being here. If you're enjoying these episodes, you learn something new, you know, consider sharing the episode with a friend or on Instagram and maybe even leave a kind review on Apple Podcasts because that makes a huge difference. Okay, let's get to our episode with Erin Asmundson. You've always been such a, a teacher of mine. And it's funny because like we we kind of, I mean, we started like really getting into the yogas kind of at the same time. And we've had these very different paths. And I learn so much from you every time that I'm around you. So thanks for sharing your goodness today. Well, thank you. I appreciate I appreciate the opportunity to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Will you tell listeners, Aaron, like who you are, what you do for work? how you found yoga. Just give us like the full story. Go big. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm Aaron. Um, I don't have a preference in pronouns. So that's something that I've recently been more common of saying mm-hmm. as something that's important for people or especially in the context that I'm in. So any pronoun you want to call me, I'm, I'm good with. Um, I uh, wear a couple different hats or I think I see a couple different identities that are, uh, central to who I am. In a work environment, I teach and I work at the University of Minnesota, where I am the program director for leadership enrichment programs. So essentially, I oversee a bunch of different leadership opportunities that students can participate in. And I teach a class um, around leadership development stuff um, in, <laughs> for, for the technical term, uh, stuff. Um, for students. And then in addition to that, I'm a yoga teacher and I've been a yoga teacher for, oh, five, enough years now that I'm forgetting how many years. I think it's five and a half, (laughs) going on on six, somewhere around there. Um, And have been a yogi for uh, about 10, was about 10 years ago, I think when I discovered or started yoga. And so that's something that's become and always has been a big part of my quote unquote free time outside of my full-time career. And then I would say the other piece of my identity that really takes up or defines how I show up in the world is uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic. So I'm really um, immersed in recovery communities in Minnesota and um, frame my world and my well-being and my sense of spirituality from the perspective of somebody who um, is in sobriety um, and that part of the journey of somebody who suffers from the disease of addiction and alcoholism. So yeah, those are those are the big pieces that make me who I am. Love that. And you're a cancer son because we have the same birthday. <laughs> yes, we do. I forgot about that. Yes, barely cancer, but we fall in the cancer. Yeah, we're like that Gemini sort of cancer cusp. I love yeah. that. We're like I I kind of forgot about that too until you were talking. And we've led teacher trainings together, and we get to celebrate our birthdays on the same. I literally, day. literally, just double the celebration. I love it. Yes, we also share a birthday with Meryl Streep. Stop and, it. Really? Um, who is the other celebrity? Meryl Streep is June 22nd. And then, oh, Carson Daly from back in the TRL. Yes, I days. did know that one. Oh so, my gosh, you know. TRL, what? Oh. <laughs> That's really dating ourselves by even like mentioning Carson Daly, but you know, oh nevertheless, he is he Here is our are. birthday, birthday brother. I you know, as you're talking about leadership stuff, <laughs> it's like, I was thinking about this in the context of like who we are and who we are as, as cancers, but also just like 
what is leadership? Like what, like, do you have a good definition of this, especially in your role as, as a teacher? Like what is, what is leadership? That is a really good question. And we actually, in at least in the, in the program itself or the way that we frame it is we try not to define it and instead mm. give space for, for those who are learning for students and others to define it for themselves. And I think at the same time, we have some underlying assumptions about what leadership is, or maybe even what it isn't, you know, so for example, uh, I believe that leadership is for the common good. So anything in regards to leadership is about making the world a better place or being positively oriented in terms of what leadership to what end leadership is happening. Um, and I would say the other assumption, or maybe it's part of the journey, is recognizing that leadership isn't positional. So, you know, like we have positions yeah. of leadership, like if you're a manager, you're a boss, or you're a whatever, you know, a title that somebody has given us. Um, but that's a position. It has nothing to do with how we behave. And so we all we all know terrible bosses. We all we all know mm -hmm. terrible, you know, authority figures. Um, so leadership is more about our action and is more about our behavior. And I actually call leadership a relationship. So it's, it's the, like in between it's the, what happens between me and you, or what happens because of connection and things like that. So, so I think part of actually learning about leadership is, is understanding that, like we all go through some sort of process where we, um, we like positional leadership is necessary, right? We need people who are willing to do jobs. It's like being a mom, being a mom is being a positional leader. Like you've got authority, you've got a hat you wear, you've got responsibility. Um, and we all embody that in some way, shape or form. But then I think we move beyond that. And we recognize that it's not because I have the title. It's not because I fall into a certain place in society, but it's because I behave a certain way and I have values and I am congruent with those values and how they show up in the world. And I know how to manage conflict and I know how to, um, you know, work with people different from myself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then you kind of get into the nuances of like, this is what we can learn that helps us understand who we are in terms of like doing leadership. Mm. It's, it's like a big topic. And, and mm -hmm. I, that I, I can only imagine that there's so many questions. People have so many questions for you about like what makes a good leader. And, mm -hmm. and it's making me think about yoga teachers as, mm -hmm. as, you know, leaders, so the roles that they take on. And maybe, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I fully realized like the weight of the leadership role you're in as a yoga teacher <laughs> until, you know, a couple of years in where I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. Like this is, it's really important. Um, do you see that? Like as a teacher, you know, someone who's been teaching for a long time, someone who really is so eloquent at delivering not only the physical form of yoga, but also, you know, the history and the energetics to it as well. Like, do you find that role to be a leadership role? Or does it, is it kind of a lot at times? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. And I, I wholeheartedly agree that I believe that any teacher in any context is, is in a position of leadership and uh, holds a certain responsibility based on wearing that, that hat as teacher. Mm -hmm. And in a yoga environment, especially like a traditional like yoga studio environment where people students are coming to class and they're they're looking for somebody to guide them and it absolutely 100 is the responsibility of the teacher to hold that space right. and so one of the phrases that i actually think about a lot in terms of leadership that definitely applies within yoga is uh, the idea of building a container and so essentially when you're the teacher 
you are in charge of the space. So you're in charge of every aspect of what's happening. So the, the physical container, like making sure that it's, you know, a nice place to be and there's pleasant music and pleasant smells and like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but also, you know, like the, the container beyond the physical of like, am I trustworthy? Am I, am I connected to these people? Do I know who they are? Do I, do I know anything about them and what they're bringing to their mat? Do I know anything about their journey? And of course that happens over time. It doesn't happen right away. But I think like, when I think about the spaces that I am most comfortable in and the spaces that I grow in versus the places where I maybe feel like I just show up and I'm not as engaged, it's because I feel like in those spaces that I am engaged, I'm seen, I'm heard, um, I'm respected. I can be authentic. I don't feel like I have to show up as anybody other than who I am. And some days that's a hot mess, right? Like the spaces where we can show up feeling like a hot mess are the kinds of spaces to pay attention to like, why is that so? And it's usually because somebody has taken the time and the care to build a container that allows us to just like be and then, and then grow, you know? I might have got really off topic with that. Sorry, nope, did that answer you your question? You did it. I no, I like the container. I, yeah. And actually, this is such a good segue to really, you know, where yoga is at right now because they're, you know, these containers look very different. They right. look so different. This, this right here, this podcast right. is a container about yoga, about the many mm -hmm. limbs of yoga. You teach online, and you're creating a space for people to be authentic and to be real. And like, who knew, right? Who knew this right. is where the containers would go? Um, but it's it's like the vulnerability piece is so key to this all. Like we're all just figuring it out as we go. And as yoga teachers, we do need to recognize that role. I think that leadership role that like we really set the tone and I, I'm, I'm seeing some good strides in this as, as it relates to like the yoga community in the U.S. But I mean, it's been, oh, it's been kind of a, <laughs> a rough history mm -hmm. and we're, you know, we're all a part of it. I want to learn a little bit more about your journey into yoga and, mm -hmm. and learning about the philosophy pieces. Cause I know that like you, your yoga story times are just like always so popular still are. You work with closely with our friend Tom and, mm -hmm. and you're yeah. so good at conveying the full story of yoga. That isn't just, Hey, you can do a headstand. <laughs> cool. It's like right. so much bigger. Can you talk right. about how you got there? Yeah. Um, so I, I always tell people that I actually accidentally got into yoga, which is pretty true. I, so the way that it all started for me is back in early recovery. So like one or two years sober, I had actually just broken up with, with a guy and was a hot mess about it. Like just could not pull myself together, feeling all the feelings, um, as is typical of people in early recovery, not necessarily having all of the like uh, tools yet to like, you know, process that, um, in a, in a, in a fully sober way. Um, and a friend of mine also in recovery who was very into yoga was like, 
you're a hot mess and you need to, <laughs> you need to do something about this because you're not only driving yourself crazy, but you're driving everybody else crazy too. And it was a really great moment to realize like, yeah, this is a real life depleting space and I'm starting to bring other people down and I don't want to do that. So he recommended that I go to a personal transformation retreat with um, my first and to this day favorite uh, yoga teacher, Neely, Neely arnold Savel. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah. So shout out, shout out to Neely um, and who really got me into yoga. But I, I even had a phone conversation with Neely about like signing up for this retreat. It was a weekend long retreat. And she even told me that there was yoga. But in my mind, I was thinking like it was like an optional activity at the end of the day or something like that. I didn't think of it as a yoga retreat. So show up and we're doing, you know yoga Friday night, yoga, you know, two or three times on Saturday, <laughs> yoga Sunday morning, and we're doing yoga blindfolded, yoga with a partner, yoga in a circle, like all this stuff. And my first real, I think I'd gone to like one yoga class before that, but this was my first real, like step into it. And I flailed and I fell over and I did all the things that you do when you're new with yoga and something shifted. Like there was enough of some recognition and some shift inside of me during that weekend experience to make me curious to continue. Like it was like, okay, I learned a couple of things. I didn't feel as much of an emotional mess, you know, less hot mess by the end of the weekend, which is always a good thing. Less. Um, and some really good recognition about processing some pieces of myself that just hadn't been paid attention to before. And so that got me into going to yoga because I sat out going to Neely's classes and then um, that turned into, you know, obviously branching out a little bit more and then realizing like, oh, I can't afford this. So at the studio that I went to, I took on a like, you know, work for trade um, option, which led to getting to know the manager better, which led to get, immersing myself into a teacher training experience. And um when I initially did teacher training, I didn't have any intention of teaching. I just wanted to, the like healthy challenge aspect of like, oh, this is so not me, you know? So, huh, you know, giggles, let's like try this and see what happens. And by halfway through it, of course I want, I mean, looking back on it, it's like how, I mean, I went teacher. That's like my, my <laughs> life, you know, but yeah. um, I did never saw it in a yoga context because I never saw myself in yoga, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's been a whole like process to just uh, become that version of myself along the way in terms of the, so like we, there's this interesting notion that like the popular, I think the westernized, Americanized, you know, Lululemonized version of yoga is like somebody on their mat in warrior two or in crow or a headstand or whatever posture looks powerful and cool in some fancy yoga pants and maybe near a beach or like, you know, a really pretty tree behind you or something like that's like the image we've created of yoga that it's this like stylized movement. So it was kind of, and looking back on it, this ignorance is interesting to notice, but it was unbeknownst to me that there's a whole philosophical construct of right. which this, this image that we have is one very, very small piece of that bigger picture. So that blew my mind to just be introduced to yoga philosophy. Um, and for me, yoga philosophy, very much connected to my recovery journey. Mm -hmm. It's very similar to leadership development in terms of like what the, per if you look at like the eight limbed path um, and how that's outlined, like there's so much in there that's very similar to what we've already talked about in terms of like building a container and like learning more about yourself and your strengths and your assets and how you show up in the world. And so all of these things were starting to show up in all these places. So it's become important to me as a yoga teacher to honor that 
and recognize that yoga is something that is much more than the postures we make on our mat. Mm -hmm. And so that I think actually has been my main tenet as a teacher is to, to continue to figure out good ways to do that. Mm. What ways do they overlap when you like, I'm thinking, did you do like a, did you do a 12 step program? Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you see like some intersection between say like the eight limb path and like the 12 steps or, cause I find that I'll read a new spiritual book and I'll be like, well, this resonates with this kind of overlaps with this. Right. And like, they all kind of, everything sort of blends together. Right. And right. maybe that's because I'm like seeking out those things, but right. do you see some parallels? Totally. And I, I mean, I think that anybody, whether you're, you know, whatever, and this is probably going to be too broad of a generalization, but like, I think all human beings are searching for deeper meaning and, and at the same time, all human beings endure some sort of suffering. And we then go on this path of like overcoming or becoming because of suffering. Like, I feel like those are two things that we share in common as humans. And so there's all these different constructs that we as humans have to process those kinds of journeys. And so mm-hmm. for those of us who are addicts and alcoholics, the 12, the 12 step program, whether it be AA or NA or N, whatever a, um, are, are a good construct to consider that, you know, I'm an, I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic. I, I can work with other addicts and alcoholics in this, in this way, um, to not only stay sober, but learn how to like live a meaningful life. And within yoga, uh, and again, I'm not like a, in any way, a scholar of yoga philosophy. So I want to preface that, that this is some of my interpretation and my continued understanding, but like we have this, this, uh, philosophical foundation of yoga that comes from a cultural tradition, very different than our own, um, from a very different space in the world than our own. And when I say our own, I mean like white (laughs) Midwesterners. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, that in itself was also a way for human beings to make sense and make meaning of how to be a human being who endures challenges, who uh, finds ways to make things happen in the world, to, um, you know, move into complex environments or to navigate loving relationships or the ending of relationships. Like all of it is information for us to just try to be the best humans we can be mm-hmm. while recognizing the messiness that's involved with that, you know? Um, so I think there is definitely a lot of overlap and, and those, my experience is those who discover yoga and those who stay with yoga have that common connection of just becoming much more authentic about who we are and who we're becoming and the different kinds of demons and secrets and shame and whatever it is that we have to confront to really truthfully go on that journey, you know, like, Um, I used to always think everybody else had everything figured out and I was the only one who was like struggling, you know, (laughs) and it's so funny because I think that's true for a lot of us that we enter a room of people and we think like, oh, everybody else here has something that I don't when in reality, and this is again, where I think like yoga and the, and recovery are, are interesting. Everybody in the room is on the same path in some way, shape or form that we're on. They have the same doubts. They have the same fears. They have the same hurts. um, And we're here to figure it out together. 
Okay, we're taking a quick break to talk about another amazing self-care product, a yoga magic partner, Odell. So friends, you've heard me talk about it before. Odell is truly goals in the hair care space. I just, I love them for a lot of reasons. I recently cut my hair. I cut off eight inches of my hair and they are making me look fly. I'm loving it. I've been using the sea salt spray to get sort of like summer ready beachy waves and it's been so easy. I don't even really have to do a whole lot. Just spray that in, give it a little zhuzh and ready to go. So if you're new to Odell, this awesome brand was co-founded by three Minneapolis-based working moms looking to solve the problem of a cluttered shower. You know, why wasn't there a salon quality, high performance, colored hair safe, natural fragrance and clean product out there, but that you know wasn't so expensive that you had to just keep it for yourself. So they created Odell, which is clean, inclusive, and fancy hair care, but just not too fancy that you need to hold on to it forever. You can share it with your family. And it's super affordable. Nothing tops $12. I've got an exclusive discount for our Yoga Magic listeners. So ready to check it out. Try your new favorite hair care products. Head on over to odellbeauty.com in the month of April and use code YOGAMAGIC for 15% off your order. That's odellbeauty.com and use code YOGAMAGIC to get 15% off all April. I'm with you. And like, I don't think our current environment is really like helping us see that. We see so few people and maybe those people that we see are looking good on the screen but they're wearing no (laughs) pants underneath like whatever you know it's like we're not getting the whole picture right and there's like I do agree that when we recognize that we're all flawed and that we're all hot messes and we're working through that together like it becomes that much easier Mm -hmm. and yoga uh you know is is one path it's one interpretation of sort of the same journey that we're all on yes Mm -hmm. yes yes I have a a question about, um, oh, what was I going to say about this? Oh, I feel like you are so good at assessing and like evaluating yourself as a leader, as a teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, over the last few years, there's been some discoveries that we've made within our yoga community, um, but it just like as a yoga community at large where we've missed the boat, mm-hmm. um, where we've maybe misstepped, maybe not you and me specifically, but like as Western white privileged yoga teachers, like we've made some missteps. Have you made any changes to the way you teach or any, you know, things that you're working on right now as a part of that unlearning to really serve yoga in its purest form? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. I've uh, a little, and I can do more. Um, a really simple one. I don't say namaste at the end of class. You don't. Mm-hmm. Because I, I was um, listening to a podcast of a um, traditional Indian yoga teacher talking about that not being when you would use the phrase namaste. And so mm-hmm. um, that was something that I changed right away after, after hearing that. Um, in many ways, for me, the focus on always giving some sort of theme, conversation, discussion to something with yoga philosophy is part of that <clears throat> and acknowledging that yoga is a philosophical construct, not a Western workout. 
you know, mm, like yes. if your glutes get worked, great. But that is not the point. <laughs> that is not the point of why we're here. Right. Um, and, and so that's only deepened my commitment to that and deepened my commitment to wanting to learn more about that. Um, I also could do way more than I'm currently doing. Like one of the things that I've thought about is uh, when I go back to teaching in person, at a, at a yoga studio physically somewhere. Uh, I don't want to take the space up um, if that space could be served by somebody of an identity different than mine, you know? And that's a really hard thing to consider that I think on a systemic level, we have to think about like when, when we're looking at systems of oppression and we fall into the privileged side of that system of, of oppression, I think each of us has to think about what am I willing to give up so that it, so that others can thrive. And I don't know really good answers to that question because we don't operate that way. We go after what we go after, you know? So I want to be very mindful that in the yoga community, I'm not taking up a space that would best be served by somebody of an identity other than my own. Mm -hmm. uh, and I look at, I don't want to be critical of any one space, but I look at a lot of yoga spaces or studios in our community and I look at their staff page and I see all white people and I think the last thing that they need is me <laughs> another white person mm. you know um in that space and that's you know again I know it's more complex than that but that's kind of been my thought process in terms of some of that um I would also say that last thing I'll say about this is I think within the one of the things I've learned and really um shifted in terms of my belief about yoga because of COVID and moving everything online and rethinking the way we do everything is I don't believe that yoga is a commodity. I don't, I, I really don't value how an entire economy has come out of the popularity of yoga in the West. Right. And you know, that uh, I don't think that anybody should have to pay a lot of money um, or be denied a space on their mat because they can't afford it, because that's not what yoga is. That's a capitalistic view of this. And so that's another thing that's really hard to think about. What does that mean for the future though? Like, is that, is it always donation-based then? Is it always free? How do you support that? You know, like at these, these big questions about the systems we operate in really come into play. Um, but that's something that I've really come to understand is that like, I don't, I don't want to be in this to be some sort of yoga mogul, you know, because mm -hmm. that's, that is 100% cultural preparation, in my opinion, if mm -hmm. that's the direction that something is heading in. Mm, beautiful answer. Yeah. Thanks for going down that path. Cause it's something that I think about a lot and, and, you know, same, I, I, I think we can all do better. We're all trying to figure it out and, and it's, it's hard. I'm like, I'm trying to grow grow a platform that's really based in yoga and, and, and hopefully, you know, make some money from it long-term, right. but there's a balance, right? There's a right. balance. Like, what can I do in, to make this accessible to everyone? Right. You know, the podcast for me, it, it feels like that's, I'm able yep. to do that and to interview a variety of voices, but at the same right. time, like I can do better. And, and I, I really welcome these conversations so that yeah. we can all keep brainstorming and figuring it out. Well, and I relate to that a lot because I think even with my teaching online, that's how I think about it too, is this sense of like, I want anybody, well, I guess anybody with a Zoom and a, you know, internet connection <laughs> yeah. to show up. Like, I don't, mm -hmm. 
I don't track. I mean, I, I welcome people to donate because yes, that, that like exchange of service is also a way that some people express their gratitude, you know? And, and so if that's in the form of payment or pay it forward or whatever, but I would never, what I love about doing it this way is I would never turn anybody away. I don't keep track of what people donate. I don't, you know, keep tabs on it. I, you know, I'm grateful for it for sure. And I don't want anybody to ever feel any sense of regret that they quote unquote can't pay because the thing about yoga is the payment is in the paying it forward in my opinion like we're becoming better humans so go out and be a better human mm-hmm. and 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 make that make that up and uh, make that happen for somebody else you know mm-hmm. so i agree it's this notion of like how do i how do i still get supported what i need to be supported with but also feel like i've got a space that people publicly openly without interference um, have access to Mm-hmm. And you, it's accessible, not only, you know, virtually, um, but it's also, I feel like you're so inclusive in the way you cue and, you know, you, it's, what do you call it? You call it like, it's not restorative, but it's like gentle, gentle, yeah. class, like a gentle class, yeah. which I mean, we can, <laughs> our friend, Tom teaches the most baller vinyasa class <laughs> ever, but like, it's not a gentle class. <laughs> I mean, he can teach that too, right. but you know, like there's. Right you're really offering um, something and you're being really clear about like, this is, this is for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Trying, trying, still working, still learning, you know, um, and, and lots more to learn, I'm sure, but it's been, it's been fun to be able to adapt and explore, you know, different ways to make it happen. Yeah. I'm really grateful for the, you know, the last year of discovery and not grateful for COVID obviously, but like, man, it's been a learning I often say at the end of my Zoom yoga classes that like, yeah, COVID sucks. And, you know, being in my home 24 seven, essentially with nobody but me and my 15 year old dog isn't always my favorite (laughs) way to live my life. Sometimes it is, to be honest, you know, but um, if this would not have happened, like there are people in those Zoom rooms that I would have never met or would have never tried yoga or, or gotten into yoga, like regular yogis sort of that have happened because of this. So, you know, like, um, I love, um, and again, I don't want to butcher yoga philosophy. So this is Aaron's, Aaron's version of this, but the notion of, I've been talking a lot of my yoga classes about Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, which are the three Hindu deities that govern the life cycle of the universe. And Shiva is the destroyer. And we often like, uh, destruction, it sounds terrible and cataclysmic and something really negative, but the whole point of destruction is to dismantle and, you know, erode all the thing that, things that no longer serve us so that something new can be reborn. Mm-hmm. And so I try to keep that viewpoint about COVID, about what we're co- currently going through is it's destruction is terrible. And some of this has been so hard and so painful and um, there's so much loss, but I, 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 I hold on to hope that on the other side of that, the rebirth and the transformation will be proportionately as great. Um, and I remember being, when we were young, uh, I grew up in Wyoming and Yellowstone had a ton of forest fires and there was all this talk about the, how destructive these forest fires were. And then the next spring, I remember there being on the news, the, a story about the new growth in Yellowstone. And they had Mm. these, just these little pictures of these like flowers that had started to sprout up in what had been incinerated earth. Um, and they were flowers that hadn't been there before. And that's something that's always like stuck with me as like, even after the forest fire, you know, the, the flowers will grow. Hmm. 
maybe mm-hmm. ones that wouldn't have grown otherwise. Yes. Yes. Fun fact, astrology fact <laughs> to tie back to weird <laughs> Ashley world. So Pluto is the destroyer, right? And um, when Pluto returns, it takes 280 years. Um, I don't know. Don't, don't quote me on this, anyone. The, however many years it takes. It's like when it returns to the spot it was at birth, um, it's this like complete, just we have to completely break the structure down and rebuild and regrow, right? And so many people are like, oh, like it's, we don't want to destroy, we, you know, that's that's a negative idea when in fact it's not. And the US is slowly coming to our Pluto return. And like, we're seeing this, we're totally seeing these like hmm. destructive things happening and it's only for the better. I mean, it really is. We're going to come out on the other end. Does that mean it's easy? No, right. I mean, like, COVID is the worst. It's been right. horrible, but right. here we are growing mm-hmm. and learning as we continue. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, Aaron, this was great. I'm so glad we got to chat. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So Me too. It's been lovely. Yeah. Can you tell listeners where to find you um, maybe on Instagram or wherever you're active and then how they can take your class? Yeah. Um, I actually just created a website um, a couple of weeks ago, it's another example. One of those things I told myself I couldn't do, I couldn't do, I couldn't do. And all it took was a negative 20 degree Minnesota weekend and asking <laughs> one college student how to create a website. And there you go. And then I had all the help and time I needed. Oh but, my God. Um, I love that. It's, it's a yoga with Aaron, a, uh, dot weebly.com. Um, so it's a Weebly website, but, uh, that, has information about me. It has links to my Zoom room where all the live Zoom classes happen. And I created a YouTube channel that has recordings of all of my, uh, not all, but since about early fall, I've been recording most of my classes. So those recordings are available on the YouTube channel and that's all accessible off of the website. Um, And uh, like I was saying, it's not, you know, it's, there is a there is a Venmo link, but it's there's no expectation of donation. I just I, I like pe- people being able to do yoga. So yeah, awesome. Well, thanks, Aaron, and thanks for just being really rooted in yoga, capital Y yoga, for so long. Because I think that people see that and they it's a ripple effect. They really they take it on and they do it in their life too. So I'm really glad to learn from you. Thank you, and I and likewise. Fun fact: Ashley was what when I became a yoga teacher. Ashley was, I think the first person I saw in person after I got the like message telling me that I had been really? hired to teach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I came to your sculpt class and, and, and saw you. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it's oh, funny because yeah. I probably knew too, because it was like Aaron's a shoe and he'll for sure get it. <laughs> he was so good. <laughs> well, yeah, we've been connected for, through this for a long time. So it's fun to be able to chat and reflect. And um, thank you. Thank you for, thank you for the time to do so. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this chat with Aaron. Thanks to our show sponsor, Odell. And don't forget, the next Yoga Magic event is on April 29th at 6 p.m. Central. That's Art and Astrology with myself and Gina Getz. It's going to be a fun little evening. I'd love to see you there. Next episode is on Thursday, everyone. Thanks so much for listening.